Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. And so we want to take a look today. We've been preaching and teaching on evangelism, reaching your friends. But today we want to take a practical look at and scriptural look at what does that mean? What does that look like? How does that practically fit into your life? How to reach your friends, how to reach your family, how to reach your neighbors. So this is a little different for a Sunday morning, but that's okay. Different's good. And so, um, so we're going to just go ahead and jump on in with practical personal evangelism. So let's go ahead and get started. How many of you know when you come in celebration, it looks a little different than other churches? And I'm proud of that. I'm happy of that, that yeah. God gets to express himself freely in here in a different yes. way. Absolutely. But I'm very understanding that some people, maybe like my old background, born, born into a Catholic family, walk into a spirit-filled, tongue-talking church, I'm going to see things I've never seen before. So when I'm going to be inviting people to church and explaining stuff, I'm not going to act like we've got it all together and we're right and just wait till you come. You're going to finally get it. <laughs> no, you're going to probably see some stuff that you haven't ever seen before, but it's okay. I was a little freaked out too. So let's just talk about it. Does that make sense? Um, other stuff that's happened, and again, I, I've got the practical side, and you didn't get the video, so you get mama is sometimes I'll be out and about or meeting a friend's friend or getting my hair done or something. And as far as inviting people to church, the Lord will give me a prophecy or word of knowledge or wisdom for someone. Now, has that ever happened to you where it's a total stranger and God gives you a word? And I don't want to look like a Pharisee. I don't want to look like a big goober. Thus saith the Lord, look at how holy. Now get your life right. Because again, Jesus is a loving, practical God. And if he's putting a prophetic word on my heart for someone, that's his heart. Right. And his heart is for what? Think about you and I in our worst circumstance. He still died for us. He still came, hit the length and the depth and the breadth of his love, reached deep enough into our being to wrap you and I into the gospel and bring us into the body of Christ. So when he's giving us that word for someone or that putting them on our heart to invite them, we have to begin to put on the mind of Christ, put on the garment of Christ, and begin to prophesy in a way that they understand and they can relate to. You know, and that means that I just have to be vulnerable because it's, it's not my name on the line, it's Christ. It's Christ, and we may never, ever have the opportunity to see that person again or invite them to church. You know, we have seen so many people that we've had one or two opportunities before they, they pass into eternity. Right. So when God gives that opportunity and he gives that, that prophetic word or, you know, causes us to have to invite someone, I know I better do it because I may be doing their funeral in the next week. Let's just get real. Nothing's promised. And so in giving the words and giving the prophecies and inviting them, we just begin to get real natural. Hey, listen, as you were talking, it just really was impressed on my heart, and I just have to share this with you. And just begin talking to them. How would you want to be talked to? Right. In your deepest, darkest, how would you want to be talked to? Very few times have I ever found that we have to be so direct and bold to call someone out on something. And unfortunately, I don't know where this comes from, but a lot of modern day Christians think we just have to go and say, be ye saved, you sinner. And I don't know about you, but I have won more people to the loss by loving them the than by trying to condemn them. Amen? Amen? So whether it's the prostitute or the drug dealer or the millionaire going straight to hell, come on. We're not going to judge them. We're not going to preach at them. We're not going to be in our Christianese bubble, but we're going to find a way to relate to them practically 
and just begin to share Jesus and say, hey, I've got so many people, whether it's my hairdresser, my chiropractor, come on, people that used to come to church here, people that come from Night of Hope, and whether, and, and it's, a, it's a guarantee, the Lord will remind me of them, and they get the text, hey, miss you, would love to see you in church this weekend, are you free? You know, and most of the time, no worries, praying for you, he'll meet you right where you are. Sending the Facebook message, every time I see him, just sharing a little bit about what Christ is doing. You, uh, you said something earlier, and I wanted to pick up on that, and how many of you have ever said, man, I hope if I bring so-and-so to church today that there's no messages in tongues, or man, I hope people don't <laughs> fall on the floor or roll around. Man, I hope that one lady doesn't dance crazy or, you know. <laughs> we've, we've all said it. We've all thought it, at least. And um, what we're really saying, though, is, God, I hope that you don't talk today. God, I hope that you don't express yourself today because, uh, you know, it might be a little embarrassing, <laughs> And so we've all done that. We've all said those things. But that's really what, what, what we're saying to God is, God, you know, I like it for me, but don't embarrass me. And, um, you know, the unfortunate with that is our response ought to be, like Heather said, be ready to explain it. Be ready to talk about, yeah, we're different, but we're different for a reason. Yeah, we have the power of God, and we believe in the demonstration of signs and wonders and, and the presence of God, the tangible presence of God that changes. This is what's going to change your life. And, you know, and I have found most of the time that if you're willing to do that and not do it in a prideful way, but approach it humbly, relationally with people, that it really doesn't scare them off. And that actually becomes an intriguing opportunity for them to learn and understand what Scripture really says. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was good. And then, um, of course, the whole preaching, you talked about preaching at people. It's so funny. I, I had someone just recently say, you know, I, I came, and this is a story, and I'll, it's a story about our church, so I, don't take offense. It's just reality. You know, like we said, we approach things humbly and just talk about it. We're relational. And so I had someone recently that said, hey, you know, I came by the church, and, and they were Jewish. And they, they started telling me all about how they got offended because someone was preaching at them about needing to get born again and know Jesus. Well, of course, they're Jewish, you know. Uh, and what was offensive to them, am I, am I ashamed of the gospel? Absolutely not. It is the power of God into salvation. What they were offended by was the person didn't take time to really get to know them and really understand their background. They just got preached at. And so there's a difference. I can, you know, it's funny because the person that was telling me that story, they were friends with this person, not, neither one of them obviously born again. And so I was able to walk them through what salvation is as a result of it. I was able to explain what a born again experience is and why we need the gospel, what the, you know. And so God opens up those opportunities. He uses it all for his glory. It's not, he never wastes a thing. But we have to keep in our mind that we need to respond like Jesus. So a couple of examples like Jesus' response we see with Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. and verse 5 it says, When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus! There's an exclamation point there. Zacchaeus! He said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and he looked to Jesus. He took Jesus into his house with great excitement and joy. But the people... We're displeased. We know the story. The religious people got upset because Jesus was bringing a tax collector. He was going home with a tax collector. He's gone to the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated on people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those that were lost. Another example with Jesus in responding to sinners was Nicodemus. Nicodemus, we know, was, he was embarrassed to come to Jesus in, in public. He came to Jesus at night when nobody was watching, nobody was looking. And, you know, there are people that are going to do that. There are going to be folks that, that want to kind of sneak in the back door, so to speak, and they don't want to be seen. It's not our job to call them out and embarrass them, yeah. right? It's our job to love them where they're at. So what if they're in the back row? And, you know, we had, we had someone say one time, 
well, will, you, will your church welcome me? I'm in a homosexual lifestyle. Will your church welcome me? And we've actually been asked that a couple of times. And of course, that's a hot topic right now. And we say, absolutely, our church is going to love you. Doesn't necessarily mean that on the backside, doesn't mean that we're going to agree with everything that they choose to do. But I don't agree with everything you choose to do either. We're all filthy, ugly sinners. And we all need Christ. And guess what? They don't need me to tell them that they're in sin. They know they're in sin. My job is to love them and show them the gospel. And that's what Jesus did in John 3. He says to Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee, after dark one evening, came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God has sent you. He's with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you were born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say to you, you must be born again. And then there's the rich young ruler. I love this one. This is great. Mark 10, 17, and Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem. A man came running up to him and knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You should not murder, commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. And the man said, Teacher, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. And looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. You should underline that in your Bible. This man was, a, he was religious and arrogant. Have you ever encountered one of those before? An arrogant religious person? Look at me. Look at all I've done. I got it figured out. And Jesus' response to him was not condemning. He was full of love and said, there is still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell all your possessions. Give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And at this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. A couple of observations from these stories with how Jesus related to people. One, he was looking. He was seeking those who were lost. He was looking for those who were hungry. He was looking for those who knew that they needed an answer for their life. Not everybody's going to be looking. Of course, when you go and you invite people, not everyone wants to know Christ, and not everyone's looking. Not everyone has it on their radar. And so Jesus was specifically looking for those who God had stirred faith in, who God was speaking to and stirring conviction. It wasn't just a general, it was specific. He was looking for those who were hungry. Does that mean that we don't preach to everyone? Does it mean that we don't tell everyone about Jesus? No, but he was looking for those personal, intimate conversations with people for relationship. And then he used spiritual realities And he related them by natural reality. You must be born again. A natural reality. Talking about spiritual truth, giving a natural circumstance. He does does this with the the rich young ruler, talking about his possessions. Nicodemus with the, you must be born again. And, And all of us can be guilty of using terms and talking to people in a relational way with things they're not going to even understand. And so God uses, Jesus used natural realities to explain explain the supernatural. He went after their heart and not just their intellect, not just their circumstance. He went after the realities of their heart. This takes faith. It takes the eyes of God to look past where a person's at and see right to the heart of the matter. See really what God's doing in that person's heart. See what God's doing in that person's life. You know, if you look at like our friends we were talking about earlier that come in with a homosexual background and, and you look at them and you say, oh, you're gay, you're going to hell. Well, you're looking at the outward circumstances or, hey, you're a liar, you're going to hell or you're a religious person away from God, you're going. All, all you're doing is you're looking at the natural circumstances and not seeing the reality of what Christ is speaking to their heart and what he's wanting to do in their life. You know, we just saw someone posted, and this, this was very common when, in New Orleans, especially around festival season where you have all of the parades and everybody's, you know, doing their thing. And you would, it was never ending. You would have people out on the streets holding it, you're going to hell, you know, sinner, you're perish, you're going to burn. And it was funny because one of our friends posted something 
and her friend, her mom, who was born again, and some friends were out, out ministering. They weren't even out doing anything ungodly. They were just out ministering. And the people preaching, you're going to hell, you're going to burn, stopped them and called them whores and said, you're going to hell. And, and didn't even take time to listen to what was happening in their life. And so it's very easy for us to get caught up in that. But Jesus addressed the heart. He was motivated by love. We see this continually. Love is our motivation. It is the context in which spiritual gifts operate. It's the context in which the gospel operates. Love is the context in which all the things that we've been taught about the power of God, the presence of God, begin to function properly. And then the other reality here is that not everyone Jesus ministered to followed him. Not everyone that you invite, not everyone that you minister to is going to follow you. Matter of fact, the people, a lot of the people that Jesus ministered to actually turned on him and tried to kill him. Well, they did have him killed. So. Well, one thing I want to go back to when um, Pastor was saying about Jesus looking for the hungry, that in the crowds you're looking for the one. You know, we have a great opportunity every month with Night of Hope. Um, and it could be in your family. It, it could be out, you know, walking around town. But it's as simple even as night of hope or a church service. And so last month was a great opportunity for me, you know, another example. And it happens every month, but last month it was, it was person after person. And, you know, we have 120-some-odd volunteers every month. We've got 300, 400 guests that come to get services. And these people we know, they're looking for food. They're looking for clothes. They're, they're, they're in desperation. Come help me. But if we stop to look at the individual people. You know, there's this one family that came to Celebration of Life two and a half years ago when we first came to Ohio that's been coming to all of our special events and Night of Hope since. And that one little family and watching how her kids get so excited to see me and run and just to get that hug for me and then the mom looks at me and goes, oh. You know, that's the hungry. You know, just a mom walking, it's like so thankful. Yes, you're here. Just give me a hug. Just love my kid for a second. But it's, that's, that's the hungry. Hunger looks so different. And there were different people throughout the night. We had someone that filled out a connect card or a prayer card that said, I'm, a, I'm cutting. When someone acknowledges that, that's, that's hunger. Yeah. That's hunger. And so whoever on the prayer team received it wasn't ready to minister to them, but of course it got brought to me really quick. And so after 40 minutes of hunting for this person, we found them. And so one of our other volunteers was able to just sit with her for almost an hour and say, hey, look, you know, I, I happen to be the one to get your prayer card, and I just want to talk. And just the fact that, that our volunteer was willing to sit with her and talk, this woman has been getting regular phone calls, has been calling us back, is interested in coming to church, and is realizing she's loved. And then the last example, you know, in the middle of all kinds of people, you know, we had all sorts of people sitting outside eating meals, and there was one man sitting alone. You ever seen that? And you just get bothered by it? And this was a man that had come for the second time. He had come the month before, just two days after he got out of the hospital, was in a coma for two months. No family in town. Closest family's Michigan, rest of the family's California. Doctors called his family in, giving him zero. Um, you ain't living, buddy. All of a sudden, supernaturally, his kidneys open. They begin to work. He ends up at church here, lost. He, two months, come on, two months, how many of you know bills for two months, your body hospital, does, isn't, yeah. isn't coming back, your hospital bills, zero family here, just down and out, no hope, and the Lord says, go talk to him. And so they're all around us when we're willing to, like Jesus did, have genuine love and look behind, yeah, I can say, look how many hundreds of people came tonight, I hope, isn't this awesome? And it is. But it's become so much more because it's about that one person that we get to affect their life, affect their day, and eventually affect their eternity. Mm -hmm. are, the, are, are we working or no? I'll be inside in a minute. I want to say hey to Joe. Hey, Joe. Hey, Mike. Flower beds are looking good, neighbor. Yep. You guys just get back from church? Ah, yeah, yeah, just... Been at the church house. 
I wonder why he never invites me to church. I mean, I'd go if he asked me to go. But this is the way it is. I'm out in my front yard when he comes home from church. It's always so awkward. It's so awkward. And I'm so hungry. Ugh. I think my wife made goulash. I love goulash. Oh, maybe Joe would like some goulash for lunch. Hey, Joe. Here comes the invitation to church. Yeah? You wanna come over sure, for a Sure, I'd goulash? love to go to church with you. What'd you just say? What'd you just say? No, what? No, what'd you say? What'd no, you what say? What'd you say? You said something about God. God, God. Goo. 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 Goulash. Goulash? Goulash. It's a. You're having goulash at your church? No. No, at my house. You're having. You're inviting me over for goulash? Yeah. At your. Goulash. Yeah, who doesn't like goulash? I like some goulash. Yeah, sign me up. Goulash. I'll check and make sure we have enough. <laughs> I see you walking away. Is the, um, is the other one, the first one working that we weren't able to show? I'm, I'm looking for a thumbs up or down. Are you tired of having to avoid all the sinners you come in contact with every day? Are you disgusted by all the non-Christians around you? If only there was something that could keep the unclean heathens away from you. Now there is. Introducing the Christian Bubble. The Christian Bubble is an amazing new device that allows Christians to ignore the fallen world around them and remain in a small bubble of holiness. The Christian Bubble has been scientifically engineered to insulate Christians from the sights, sounds, and smells of a world they are simply too good for, while at the same time covering their faces from the view of the wicked people that don't know God. Available in regular and extra large. Order one today. The Christian Bubble is not recommended for Christians that want to serve others as Christ did or those that truly love their neighbors. May cause suffocation. <laughs> Christianity can be fun, huh? So, hey, do y'all want some goulash? <laughs> we are having a barbecue. We are having a barbecue soon. You know, we do, um, we get excited about new movies that come out when we find our favorite restaurant, right? When some big event's coming up and it's so easy for us to get excited and call people and tell people about worldly stuff, right? You know, I mean, we're from Louisiana and it's all about the festivals and the food. And let me tell you. They like the food. They, yeah. And you will get the invites to the goulash or the gumbo. Oh, gumbo. But how much more important is it for us to be able to in, freely invite people to the house of God? Yeah. And, you know, um, and it, it's about finding it in just a practical way. Obviously, I, um, I'm going to the doctors a lot lately and meet a lot of people, and I always have to fill out forms. And, you know, what do you do? Where do you work? Pastor, celebration. Oh. And, you know, it could be one of those awkward goulash moments of, what are they going to think? I'm a woman. Pastor. Church. Ooh. You know, and I can make it really weird and awkward for them and for me, or I can just talk about it. You know what I'm saying? And so my doctors, all the doctors and nurses and all the different, you know, avenues that I get to go to, they all hear about it. You know, even, even, even the hairdresser who's never been in church, doesn't understand any church life, and every time we see them, you know, every just time. talking about it and inviting them, whether it's tonight of hope or inviting them to church, but I could make it really awkward that I have nothing in common with you, just like goulash man. Or I could just meet them where they're at, right? And find a very practical way to just begin to share the gospel. And that goes for anyone that we meet. I mean, people at the gas station, people on the streets, you know, people on Sundays. How many of you know, walking around here, you're going to see a whole lot more people in their athletic clothes coming from the parks and the trails, right? Then you are people that are going to be dressed up in this and that. And so I love when we get to restaurants and people comment on how cute little Zoe is. That's our daughter. And say something about how dressed up she is. 
And I, we get to just comment and say, she loves getting dressed up to go to church. And sometimes they take the bait, sometimes they don't. But it's a great way and opportunity just to start talking about church life with people. Amen? Simple, easy, relational ways to not be weird. Everybody say, not be weird. Don't be weird. Don't be weird. <laughs> We're peculiar people. We're not a weird people. You don't have to be weird. <laughs> don't break that microphone. <laughs> we, have, we have a habit of breaking things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a great example of this. So we, we were out. We got home the other day, and... Um, our neighbor was out walking, and, I, and I've seen her out walking before. She was actually, <clears throat> when I saw her walking, I had been out walking, and I walked up behind her, and as I was walking by her, I saw she had a rosary in her hand, and she was obviously meditating, praying, or something. And um, I was like, oh, okay, I'll keep that in mind. And I just kept walking. Well, the next day, or two days later, we were coming home from something. It was uh, later in the evening, and she was out walking by our house. And uh, so she stopped me, and she said, hey, I think I know you. So we started, I'm your neighbor. And so we started chit-chatting about uh, her being our neighbor, our house, who lived there before, you know, all the just relational things. And then she, and then she's the one that actually started the next part of the conversation. She said, now, don't you pastor at that church in Akron? And it's like the hot new neighborhood news. <laughs> yeah, apparently. And, and I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, we do pastor there. And uh, she said, well, I'm from North Hill. So she knew the church, knew the area. She said, you know, she said, my neighbor, she said, we were reading in the newspaper the other day and we saw an article about the church. And she said, my neighbor, your neighbor, this one right here, she got on the phone, she called me and she said, hey, that's our neighbor. He's a pastor. <laughs> and so they started having their catty talk on the phone about us and the article about Night of Hope and what our church is doing. And so in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, great, we've got catty women as our neighbor. But, but it became an opportunity to talk to them about our church, invite them, and, and just share what Christ was doing in and through our lives as pastors moving here, being new to the area and such. So it was just a very relational, practical way to connect. Another really simple way. Everybody's on social media, right? And so on one of the moms, I love... That's how I stalk all of Akron is all the moms groups. And so one of the moms groups, this lady posts all about this young boy. Um, long story short, he doesn't have parents that are really in the pictures, 14 years old. They keep losing their home. And he hasn't had new clothes for two years. And um, he's outgrown them. He's starting high school. So the mom, this mom, who happens to be a neighbor of this kid, you know, says, hey, these, can anybody help? He's starting school. He needs school supplies. He needs clothes. I don't want him to be embarrassed going to high school. So, of course, all the do-gooders, right, do-gooders are good, start there commenting. And it's obvious that he's going to be taken care of, but I'm like, he's starting a new school. He's going to North Hill. I got a teacher at North Hill. I'm like a couple blocks from the high school. I'm like, uh-uh, hey, he's in my neck of the woods. This is where my church is. This is what we've got. Da -da 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 -da. Send him over to me. We've got a great youth group, great youth pastor. We will take care of all of his needs. Just send him my way. Give him my name. Have him ask for me. We've got him hooked up. Can I tell you, I got like four responses within less than an hour from people. Not just, just because I, not just that woman, but other women that were like, hey, I didn't know you had all this stuff. Can I come? Da -da 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 -da, asking me questions and people coming by the office during the week to get help just because I was willing to say, all the people are going to, you know, do good is fine. I'm all about doing good. But I have silver and gold have I not, but what I have I give to you. Hey, my church can help meet your need. Come, let us show you the practical love of Christ. It's awesome. In, in Luke chapter 23, Jesus is on the cross, we are probably pretty familiar with this, this story, but verse 39 says that one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, if you're the Christ, save yourself. But the other one answering rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. What's Christ's response to those that he's connecting with? He's on the cross and he's ministering to the person. Any one of us going through the difficult situation, you know, 
martyrdom is major, but just difficult situations, we, wanna, we don't want to talk to anybody. If we're going through a difficult season, I don't want to tell somebody about Jesus. I'm angry. I don't want to even look at you. But what's Jesus' what's Jesus's response? He responds out of love and assures the man of his salvation. And so our response with folks is the relational response. We don't preach at them. The man knew he was a sinner. He didn't need Jesus to tell him, yeah, you're a robber. You're going to hell. He knew that. He was very, the reality was, was impending upon him. He knew where he was at, and he needed Christ to be his Savior. He needed the assurance of salvation, and Christ came and ministered to him in that moment, right where he was at. Acts 2.21 says, whoever, whoever, we always use the term, whosoever will. Maybe you've heard us say, whosoever will, will come. And they do come. You open up the doors and you begin to love on people. Whosoever will, come. And they'll start coming. We do this night of hope in church. We do this all the time. And say, whosoever will, come to the Lord. Come to the banqueting table. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's that simple. It's not complex. We, We meet people relationally where they're at. We open up the door. Well, pastor, if we say whosoever will... You know, we're going to get weird. We're going to get some weird people. They might, they might smell. They might, they might talk different. They might say things that we don't agree with. And I, l- let me just remind you of a point I made earlier. It's true with those in this room. The same is true. I don't, yeah, some of you smell. <laughs> some of you say things that we, you know. And so we don't sit in judgment of others when they come through the doors. We say, we want to love you right where you're at. And that starts the process of discipleship. It doesn't mean they're going to stay in the stinky, smelly place that they're in. It doesn't mean they're going to stay in the pit. That's why they're here. And so that starts the process of discipleship. Discipleship. Well, why don't we start with the uh, discipleship video? opportunities we have as believers, uh, not only in leading someone to Christ, but is to disciple someone, to disciple baby believers into a place of maturity. And um, one of the big things that we want to make sure we never do is bring someone to church, see them born again, and then sit them down with a list of rules of what you don't do now. Right? That's not Christianity. Christianity is relational. It's Christ revealed to you and I. And so we want to continue to bring these people into environments for them to encounter Christ themselves and build relationships by what? Spending time with them and talking with them, getting to know what is Christ doing in you. What would you think of that service today? Well, you know, I couldn't really concentrate because the whole time I was just embarrassed about the, the length of my skirt. Oh. And then all of a sudden, that gives us, what, an opportunity to just talk about purity, right? And, and, but, if, but if I walk up to someone and say, look, darling, now that you're born again, don't ever wear that here. She's not going to like me very much. She's not going to want to receive from me. And she's probably not going to want to come in the doors because she's going to be embarrassed at what we're thinking, yeah. right? Yeah. And so re- re- discipleship is building a lifelong relationship, an apprenticeship, if you will, with someone that you begin to disciple them through the day-to-day life opportunities. You know, what do you like to do? How do you get to know them? What do they like to do? You know, for me, it's real easy. I just invite people to come to the gym. Let's go work out together. Why? Because we just get a lot of free time to get to know people. 
to spend time with people. Then we invite people to come. Hey, I've got an event I'm throwing. Can you come help me plan it? You know, Jesus lived with the 12. He spent time with them and taught them by day-to-day life. Paul did the same thing. He would take the disciples with him on his missionary journeys. You know, what are you doing for the kingdom? If you're, if you're a worship leader, you know, you bring people into worship. You know, you're going to have people congregate next to you that like the same things as you, right? right. And you begin to bring them alongside of, with you in ministry and begin to use the day-to-day activities to disciple and to speak into someone's life. Yeah, a lot of times we think discipleship means added commitment to somebody. Oh, great, now I'm going to spend an added hour or two hours during the week, and i got to go do this and this. No, if you're going to, I like to go to Starbucks. Starbucks, I always say, is my second office. So I'm going to say, hey, you want to go to Starbucks with me? Because I, I want some Starbucks. It's really not about you. I really just want my Starbucks. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> so let's go hang out at Starbucks. It's really simple. Or, hey, we've got this event, like Heather said, going on. Come hang out, hang out with me. Come cut, you know, i got to make gumbo. i got to make gumbo for the, chick, the, the church Christmas party. You want to come help cut chicken? we got a lot. we got six pounds, ten pounds of chicken to cut. You want to cut chicken? And then what happens? While you're cutting chicken or you're cutting sausage and you're making gumbo, all of a sudden you start having a relationship develop and an opportunity to talk about what God's doing in their life. Heather mentioned it earlier. But uh, Paul taught Timothy to do the exact same thing that he had learned from Paul. Timothy, verse, uh, chapter 4, verses 11 through 12 says, Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So this is what discipleship looks like. Timothy, this is what you're going to do. This is the discipleship you're going to walk people through. You're going to walk them through how to talk right. You know, how many of you know when people first get born again, they're first in the church world, their speech oftentimes is a little messed up, right? And so, but, but it's the same way within, within, within the body of Christ, right? People have been in church a long time, all of a sudden, it's just normal to gossip. And so it's so easy when we have the Word of God in us. It's living, it's active, it's powerful, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And as people begin to just talk, it's not glorifying that, that we just begin to step in. And so a couple of scriptures for us. I love using Ephesians 4.29. Hey, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it might impart grace to the hearers. And you're like, wait, you just said, Pastor Heather, that we're going to be practical and not religious. Look, I can look at someone and say, Leanne, can you stop talking like that? That's bothering me. And she's just going to say, Pastor Heather's just got issues today, man. She's being bossy, telling me what to do. But about, hey, Leanne, you know what? Every time you keep saying that, I know how much you're bothered by it. But every time you keep saying it, I'm reminded of this scripture. Can I share it with you? Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but only that which is necessary for edification. God has so much for you, and he's so much bigger than that problem. And the more we talk about it, the more aggravated that we're just going to get. So let's speak words of edification. Let no more corrupt things. Can we pray? All of a sudden, it becomes great discipleship versus just letting her live in sin or me judging her and preaching at her. And it imparts grace to the hearer. Yeah. The word of God is imparting grace. It's giving them an opportunity to repent versus being judged or condemned. Then Paul talks about our conduct in Romans. He says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh or fulfill its lusts. <laughs> so sometimes in church, especially when we're discipling people, they come in and they're still carrying what? The bondages of their past. They're born again. Some of, sometimes there's miracles where things begin to fall off, but there's a, there's a journey of sanctification that has to happen. Their, their old habits, their old emotional patterns, their old behaviors, the old lies that they're living according to, these things have been in their life for years, and so it's a process of change. So sometimes you have to talk to someone regarding their behaviors and, their, and the lies that they're living according to. So we're going to put on Christ. We're going to be clothed with Christ. The garment of our sinful nature, the old past, has been taken off and Christ has been put on. So we're going to live according to the gospel. We're going to be clothed with Christ. And one of the big things is helping people around us learn to walk in love. You know, life is difficult and Every one of us have had the opportunity to be hurt, to be offended, 
right? No, not in church. <laughs> and one of the biggest things is helping people walk and live a life in love. A lot of people in today's society don't even know what love is. You know, we live in a society with broken homes that, that people don't know how to receive love or give love. And so oftentimes we'll just find people angry and, and justifying their hate or disgust towards people. And, and there comes a time in discipleship where, we're, where it's time to say, hey, Christ loved us while we were yet sinners. And I know that you've been hurt, but the scripture tells us that we love because he first loved us. And that the whole world around us is going to know us by what? Our by our love. And so as a believer, you and I don't get the opportunity to choose who we love. We love because he first loved us. And so I want to I help you. Can we pray together and forgive so-and-so and ask Christ that he would clothe you in, your, in his love, that you would begin to walk in love towards these people? It's one of the greatest opportunities because people are so filled with hurt. And, and, and not only that, but not knowing how to receive love from God. You ever seen the people in church like this? As I close my eyes. <laughs> oh, I'm not. That can't worship because they don't know how to lavish their love on God or let God lavish love back. And so then it's the same thing with, with being, beginning to be vulnerable with people and show them how to love that they could then in turn let God love them and love God back. The next area that Paul covered with Timothy was faith. You know, one of the greatest ways to demonstrate your faith in God is how you handle perseverance or handle persecution and hardship. When you face hardship, difficult times, do you come into church mopey dopey and gloomy or do you come in full of faith? When you come to the house of the Lord, are you full of faith, expecting that God's going to move, expecting that God's going to speak to you, expecting that God's going to change you and, and use you in service to speak to someone there around you? Do you have faith in your heart? Are you walking by faith or are you just going through the mundane motions of life? Because as Christians, we can do that, right? We can just get caught up in, in our routine. Oh, we're going to church again. We're, doing, we're checking the box. We always say all of those types of things. And it's not a life of faith. And so we disciple others by how we act. They're watching whether or not you live by faith. You know, there are many times that I'll come out for service or come into an event at the church or th where things have exploded right before I walk in. There are, there are times that I've been in the back dealing with things and aren't able to even get out to service until the last worship song. And, you know, my natural man says, I, do, I don't want to worship. I don't want to be here. I don't want to look at people. I don't want to do this. I am aggravated. Don't look at me like you're holier than me. Because we've all been there. But what do I do? I put on Christ. Yes. I'm clothed with him. I, I walk in faith and say, God, it doesn't matter what's happening in, in the moment. It doesn't matter what's happening in life right now. I walk by faith. I don't see with the eyes of the natural man. I see through the eyes of faith. And we have to teach that. That's something that people learn by our example. And then, of course, there's purity. Yeah, and purity in today's age, you know, you just walk outside and billboards will make you double take. And, and so living a life of purity and, and just a wholesome life is, is difficult. And we as believers, you know, we're not of this world. We have to live in it, but we're not, we're not of it. And so we have to learn how to walk in a life of purity that separates us from the world, that shields our eyes, that shields our ears, that shields our hearts and places us in a, in a place of protection. How many of you know that's difficult today? You know, and so, you know, within the body of Christ, within people around us, you know, it's just, people just live together because that's what you do. And, and it, in the church, we begin to lovingly explain and show people that, no, we just don't. I'll love you right where you are. But let, and I know we have married many people over the years that came to church that lived together for years Totally, totally not convicted. And all of a sudden, as they began to be introduced to Christ, wait a second, it's time. It's time. It's time to put this under the kingdom of God and get God's blessing on it. And, and so we learned to do that. And then, and then, like I said, watching our, what we see and what we hear and the things that we're around, TV, radio, books, newspapers, Saturation. come on. 
um, saturating ourselves in the things of the world or saturating in the things of the kingdom. And so favorite verse for this is Philippians 4, 8 and 9. And it says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, anything praiseworthy, meditate on these. And so we have to begin to learn ourselves to put on Christ and to think about these things that are true and noble and just and pure. Come on. That we could begin to help those around us to do the same. I don't want to look like the world or smell like the world. I don't want my kids to look like that. I don't want them to see that in me. I don't want you to see that in me. And so we have to learn to live it ourselves in a way that we can begin to help others. No, we don't have to live like the world. That is a disgusting, vile, filthy place. But Christ has given us a way out. He's given us a way to live in a whole new, new world. It's awesome. So I hope this has helped. This is very practical. Per, you know, personal evangelism, very, very, very practical approach. Let me, let me say this um, about saturation. You know, Heather, Heather talked about saturation. And that's, this is why, you know, people say, well, why do you do, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, care group, events? Why do you have so much happening at the church? And, uh, you know, people say, well, I can't make everything or I can't do everything. Well, that's not really the point. We don't do a lot for you to have to be at a lot. We do a lot because it gives opportunity for people to saturate. Some of you are going to connect with Sunday morning and Wednesday night. Some of you are going to connect with Sunday morning in a care group. Some of you are going to connect with a Sunday school on Sunday morning. Everybody's going to connect at different places. Likewise, people who come in to our church are all going to connect at different places. We call them sticking points. There are sticking points all over the church, and that's the point. We want people to stick, right? And so they're going to connect in different places. The point is we want people to saturate in God. We want to consistently provide an environment of the presence of God and the Word of God where Word and Spirit kiss and people can encounter God for themselves. And by doing that, whether it's in a Sunday school class, listen, if you're a Sunday school teacher, that's what your job is, your, or care group teacher, whatever. Your job is creating an environment in your home or class here at the church, whatever it is, your job, where the Spirit of God, the presence of God, and the truth of the Word meet, and people can encounter God. It's not just an opportunity to sit and gossip, not that you do, it's, but you know that's the natural tendency of man is to go down that path. It's not, but that's not the place for that. It's the opportunity for people to encounter God. Or if it's in a service, you know, our, our creative arts team, their mission, their vision is creating an environment for people to encounter Jesus in worship, in the arts, and so that's what they do. And in our minute, every, whether it's Bethesda, Bethesda is a great place because you're saturating in the word for three hours. I mean, you either get in or you get out. I mean, there's no, <laughs> there is no option in Bethesda. You know, so there's all of these opportunities and the vision of all of it is Acts 1-8 across the board that we have received power from heaven to be witnesses. And so I hope this has been encouraging for you. It's been helpful. It's a practical very practical approach. So I want to pray for you as we, as we wrap up today that you will recognize that God has given you all power necessary to be an evangelist. You are a missionary in the Great Lakes region, yes. and God has given you the ability, the equipment, the tra everything you need. He's given to you. You can't sit in our, in our services, in our meetings, in our trainings, and all that's happening here and not get something. You have what you need. You're equipped. God's provided you and equipped you to go out and, and share Christ with others. And so I want to pray for you today that um, maybe this is a new journey for some of you. Maybe you've never embarked on personal evangelism. Statistics show that most people in church have never led someone to the Lord before. And so maybe this is a new journey for you. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will get all up in your business yes. <laughs> and drive you absolutely crazy until you get to lead someone to the Lord and disciple them. It's the best experience ever because you realize how much you really don't know. You know, you remember when you had your first child and you realized how much you really don't know? <laughs> it's kind of the same thing spiritually. You realize, wow, I need to grow myself. I have, I've, had a, I've had a lot of experience, but I need to grow myself. 
Maybe your, maybe your small group or your ministry has grown stagnant. Get a lost person in that thing. Get some, if your small group's just gotten boring, go find a lost person and stick them right in the middle of it. It'll liven things up, I promise. All of your nurturers that are in that group, all of a sudden will begin to nurture and love on that lost person. It's amazing how that changes the dynamics. Maybe you're here and you're, you're a soul winner at heart and you love reaching people for Christ. You need to find a new convert. Find someone that's new to Christ and go do a small group in their home. Yeah. Watch what will happen. Yeah. The passion that they have for Christ, newly encountering Christ, do a small group there, it will blow up because everybody they know all their, whether they were a drug addict, whether they were a successful business for whoever, the, whoever's in their circle will be at that small group very quickly. It's a great place to start. So I want to pray for you that God will reveal to you all that he's giving you and put a passion on the inside of you that you won't be able to keep your mouth shut. You'll just be bubbling over with the joy of the Lord. Father, I thank you for our friends, Lord, today. Lord, I thank you for everyone that's come today in church, Lord, that's joined us here this morning. Father, it's been different. It's different style, but Lord, the word is still the same. Lord, the, the style, the presentation is different than usual, but the message of the gospel is still the same. The reality of souls being born again, people, people experiencing sanctification and justification, Lord, all these great realities of the gospel for themselves. Lord, I pray for our friends and family here today, Lord, that you would speak to them, Lord, regarding who it is that you've placed in their life. Lord, every one of us have a divine appointment with someone scheduled by you. Lord, help us to be sensitive. Help us to be aware. Lord, give us ears and eyes to not miss the opportunity. Lord, but we'll respond when you lay it before us. Father, I pray for all of those that are being prayed for in our congregation, for lost friends, lost family members, Lord, those that have been named and not named. Lord, I pray that, that the eyes of their understanding would be open, that the light of the gospel would begin to penetrate their soul. Lord, I pray for their salvation, God. I pray that the reality of what you told Nicodemus, that they would be born again, Lord, that they would come to the reality of saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, that the walls, whatever they are, whether it's past offense or hurt or, or uncertainty, Lord, religious things, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, that the walls would come down. Lord, that opportunities to love on the hurting and the broken would become very evident to each of us. And I thank you for it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, Lord, for a harvest of souls. Lord, I thank you that our church has, has, has experienced new life in you. I thank you, Lord, for the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of your presence. Lord, I thank you for all the signs and the wonders and the miracles and things that are happening. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand Lord, that all of this is to see the lost, to see the lost saved. Lord, I ask again, Lord, for an awakening in the Great Lakes region. Lord, let an awakening. Lord, let souls be one. Let an awakening in your churches happen. Lord, let awakening in your people happen. Let an awakening in the pulpit happen. Lord, let awakening in the streets happen. Lord, let, let signs and wonders and the reality of the gospel be taken outside of these walls. Lord, that we'll see your kingdom on the streets. Lord, see the hurting and the broken healed. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so awesome.